Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon. This is the CEO Bay. It's great to have your company today. My name is Carl Rodder. I am with Danny Akuye. Uh, Danny, flat learning into the end of the day. It, yeah, basically, it sort of rallied in the morning, then it sort of sold off, and we seem to have gone bloop right at the end of the day at the moment. So I have the uh, ASX 200. I mean, it's basically flat. Yeah. 7,311. And the SIBO 200, well, maybe marginally negative, but let's say we're splitting hairs there, aren't we? I'll say. And uh, well, we do have a lot of event risk coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, CBA amongst them. Uh, the results tomorrow morning will be very, very interesting. You can take a glass of your water. It's all right, Danny. We won't judge it. Um, let's have a look at uh, some of the sectors that we were wanting to, uh, well, we are keeping an eye on at the moment, starting off with the miners. And uh, well, a bit of a mixed picture, although Fortescue bouncing just a fraction yeah. uh, by 0.4%. But um, that China data was pretty grim, wasn't it? Uh, as I understand it, yeah, I only saw the trade balance in yuan terms, but as I understand so it, the, ex- in US dollar terms, it was much worse. Yeah, so exports fell 14.5% in July from a year earlier, and imports were down 12.4% in US dollar terms. Mm. So worse than expected. So because the Reuters poll had been a 12.5% decline in exports or exports from a year ago and imports were expected to have dropped 5%. So not good. And the uh, you might touch on it later, but the Aussie dollar under the under the pump again. Once again, yeah, okay. Down towards uh, the low 65s again. Um, let's look at some areas of the market that uh, exhibited a little more strength. Healthcare, only slightly it has to be said. Uh, as you can see, sort of a mixed picture there, but CSL was up uh, very marginally, or 0.9%. Sonic up by 0.32%. ResMed continues to sell off. ResMed continues. The pain pain of it all um, down significantly now over the last three or four sessions. One one does. 15%. 15%. The bleeding's got to stop soon. You just have to wonder when. Um, But still another negative one there. Uh, Let's flip over the page because there was more health care names that, uh, well, we want to take note of. Telix Pharmaceuticals pulling back slightly. ProMedicus is actually performing reasonably well recently. Yes, it is. Edging high very quietly, but that's uh, the sign of a healthy rally. Uh, Ansel Helios as well, uh, slightly higher for the day. Retailers, consumer stocks. Uh, down across the board, as you can see here, Premier Investments off by 3.74%. Probably to do be... with the Maya upgrade. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but down, again, 3.74%. Let's flip over the page because there, there are a few more um, retailers who wanted it pay, uh, we do like to pay attention to. LaVisa bouncing, Babcor down 1.76%. Maya down significantly after its results today. It was trading at around 60 cents um, at about midday when I last checked. So um, a disappointing set of numbers, perhaps. 
Um, but there was a lot of corporate news out today. It'd be fair yeah, to say. there was. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So, uh, what what have we got here in terms well, of? Well, Coronado was uh, they were a miss. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were a miss on, on lower coal prices. So that one was heavily sold off. There you go. Net income one hundred and ninety nine spot two million. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, lower than expected. Uh, the dividend was sliced just a fraction as well. I uh, did have a chat with the CFO there um, and well, more or less said that this is still a very strong result in the context of the business's history, but we have had a pretty significant drop in coal prices over the last 12 months. So it's reflecting that and he was um, very bullish on the outlook as, as you would imagine, uh, thinks that steel demand will remain reasonably strong. So the demand for metallurgical coal ought to continue to trend higher over time, especially in India. Right. development goals there, um, obviously driving the, the need to, uh, well, continue to industrialise. Um, but also, James Hardy, you yeah. might be able to take this one because you, you, you stay pretty, um, pretty across this, but yeah. apparently, um, well, the stock was up. Yeah, so I think the key thing here was that they actually pushed through a 7% price increase in Australia, which they managed to hold, slight decrease in volumes, but they have had an improvement in their margins. So first quarter profits up 13% and uh, you can see their adjusted EPS 39 cents. Really, it's all about, I think this earnings season is about the margins, the the companies really, I suppose, um, solidifying themselves for what is essentially a tougher operating environment. And James Hardy, Hardy clearly surprised on the upside, although one might think of 15% rally or 16% at one stage, there might have been a few shorters sitting in there because mm. that is a big price move for a company of this size. It is. And I mean, it's been pretty cool to say that you're short US housing effectively. Absolutely. And, and James Hardy is a way of basically shorting the US housing market, which has shown remarkable resilience, almost a five. Uh, a lot of sort of bearish expectations out there. So, yeah, yeah, again, maybe that's just a a short squeeze um, uh, driving the stock price higher. Uh, We spoke about Maya before. It's not a big stock anymore, but I think sometimes it has a place in our hearts still. uh, And that's why we follow it. but FY23 total sales up 12.5%. Our net profit after tax was between 69 uh, and 73 million. That's for the full year projected. Um, A bit of uncertainty going into FY24, but the stock was down... uh, throughout the session. Yeah, um, I think they're talking quite a bit of a slowdown, aren't they, in the second half? Yeah, it was it was that guidance that's, um, yeah. I think, caught everyone slightly, well, maybe surprised. not surprised, but certainly disappointed. I think we're all expecting, obviously, a, a bit of a slowdown, um, maybe less foot traffic going through, um, well, Burke Street. And what's where's Meyer again in uh, Sydney? I can't remember. Uh, it's in uh, the mall on George Street. Pitt, the Pitt Street? Bit, yeah, it runs between Pitt and George. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. Still getting better with my where my mind is located uh, in the Sydney CBT. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, move on. It was a bit of a disappointer there. Maybe Canary in the coal mine. We'll have to see. But we spoke about James Hardy. It was our stock of the day. David Koch was hosting the call. Mark Mullen from Team Invest and Scott Phillips from Motley Fool shared their view on James Hardy. Those investors jumping in this morning after earnings are up, as you say, 20%, and yet they're saying, look, things could shrink between 5 and 80% next year. Kind of feels like yes. uh, people are buying yesterday's news, not tomorrow's. Yeah. It might be fine. The share price might still have enough opportunity in it, given that downturn. Uh, just, just be a little bit careful. Whenever you extrapolate 
uh, cyclical businesses. It is it is a cardinal sin. Uh, just be mindful across the entire cycle of what the underlying earnings power is, not just the headline. So it's a quality business and it's performed well. It's all its metrics are good. Uh, passes, um, I think it passes all our filters. Yep, passes all, all our all our filters. It's in the green of its PE at the moment, which because James Hardy's always had a, a relatively high PE, I would, I would argue. Um, if you look at the return, we're showing a five-year return on our default settings, which is if they can if they can keep growing at the same rate. But they've already warned that their addressable market's coming off. So I think yes. you'd be pretty brave. I, I totally agree yeah. with Scott. Um, but a conscious investor saying if they keep doing what they're doing, you get about 23% a year return. Right. On default, margin of safety is 68 Right. So it's probably going to be more likely the towards the margin of safety, I would think, right. in reality. So it makes it yeah, pretty expensive yep. at the moment. And if you've, if you've had it, um, this jump in the share price, whether it's going to stay there or come back, you know, it probably is a good time to take some money if you're looking for okay. some. So the verdict there was sort of a hold kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, a bit cautious. Yeah, well, you yeah. see this run up. Um, again, I'm, I can't say that I'm a great value investor, but certainly I know some trading principles, and that's uh, you don't chase rallies when they happen like this. So it's already happened. Unlucky if uh, you weren't in it. If you are, well, maybe trim and uh, take some of that cash uh, now that you've got the opportunity. But let's get to our guest for the COB today, Martin Somerson Dutton from Deep Data Analytics joins me now. Martin, thank you so much for your time. Um, let's, um, if you have a view on James Hardy, mostly because it does tie into a few macro themes, interesting ones, especially as it applies to the US housing market. Do you have a strong view on James Hardy yourself, whether you might be a buyer, holder, or even seller at these levels? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting one because if you look at the Dow Construction Index, it's actually back at all-time high. Um, it ran up quite early. So uh, we knew uh, James Hardy was going to come out with a good result. James Hardy is the best play in our market for that exposure. They are a really, really good business, really good management. Um, they actually make money in a recession. So, you know, this is the kind of stock you hold through the cycle. So for the long-term holders, you know, they're not going to care what I tell them. that They're just going to hold it anyway, so it doesn't matter. And I, I don't have an issue with that. Um, you know, you always hold the guy who makes money in a recession. And James Hardy will do well. Do I think the multiple is expensive? It is at the moment. You're buying for what has happened compared to what's potentially going to happen. Um, it is amazing at how well consumers have held the economy together and the consumer spending. Um, this morning we got the update on um, consumer credit growth. Uh, now that was, you know, massive beat. So it, it doesn't matter even if the rates go up. The consumers are assuming this is transient. We'll keep borrowing. And they just keep borrowing. It's, yeah, we've never seen this before and nobody seems to understand why it's happening, but people are just borrowing. I mean, there's a trillion dollars in credit cards and we're still taking more debt. So they're doing well. I'd be backing James Hardy in the long term, but I think in the short term, you'll get it cheaper. Not chasing today. Yeah, indeed. Apparently, there's a there's not an apartment shortage in America, but there's a housing shortage. So a little, it's you know, again, a structural problem, a bit like Australia. Nevertheless, um, lithium plays. Pilbara Minerals still finding some love. So is lithium back in terms of uh, well, I suppose investors looking for some momentum plays or something positive in a market which really is going sideways at the moment. Yeah, I mean, our market has pretty much gone sideways for nearly two years. Mm. Um, so the thematics have been important because you've got the returns from it. And the lithium play has made a lot of people a lot of money and they're hoping for another cycle. Um, for me, I think the the 
the theory that lithium is going to be short in the long term is tough to play because just about every commodity has that thematic at some point and it has never been really that proven because over time the market responds and you get more supply. Lithium is everywhere. I don't think that's going to be the problem. For me, I think it's going to be the go- it's going to be the operations that can process lithium. Mm. Um, I think at some point, some of the bigger players will consolidate and become a main, uh, I suppose, the processor for all the lithium mines. So who will that be? That's what I'm looking for. I think the, that's the guy that's going to be long term. Um, you know, it could be a Minres, it could be West Farmers, it could be one of those bigger players. But um, you know, at the moment, I think the lithium holds up quite well. Um, I think all energy um, related sectors are holding up well. You know, uranium is getting a bite. Oil's doing quite well. I think even coal is doing well. I think there was too much priced in, so you're getting a bit of a pullback out of that. But overall, I think the energy sector will do quite well in the second half, and I'm uh, pretty confident in most of them. I think lithium pulls up, um, and I think there's going to be a basket of solutions, and lithium's going to play a part in it. And I think in the short to medium term, I think lithium pulls up relatively well. But I don't know you're going to get the same run you've had before. You've got to remember, this is not a new thematic. Everyone's been in it, and you've had the biggest run that sector had when rates were zero. So it's hard to replicate that cycle. Let's talk about some event risk coming up, if we may. And well, actually, wouldn't mind just starting with the CBA and a view there, because it's hard, obviously, not to go past that from a domestic point of view. But I mean, I hark back six months ago, um, the share price was reasonably elevated. We got, well, it looked like a disappointing set of numbers on the surface, but really just reaffirmed what everyone already should have known. Uh, I mean, should we be pre- prepared tomorrow for, for potentially some more disappointment uh, from, the, uh, from ComBank on the basis that, well, we're still looking at a pretty rich valuation, aren't we? Yeah, Carl, you're not wrong at all. Uh, but the problem is the market doesn't care. Um, when you're looking at the big four banks, CBA gets a premium multiple um, mm. out of the four, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, mm. You know, they'll throw away the other three and hold on to CBA for a logical reason. Over the last 20 years, uh, you've only made money in CBA if you exclude dividends. The other four banks, I mean, other three banks, barely gone basically sideways. So in that context, I think CBA gets that premium. And don't ask me why, because I kind of lost that track a long time ago. Uh, but in reality, I think it holds up okay. We all know why uh, the banking sector is going to get into trouble. We know things are going to slow down, and the earnings will come off, and so will the dividends. And most people bought these banks at very low prices, so they've got tax implications. So no one's going to sell. But I think that you know, for a fund manager, I don't think banks are going to be the outperforming sector. But the problem here is not... what's happening in the fundamentals of the banks. For me, the biggest play is the currency. As Danny was saying before, the currency looks pretty weak with Chinese data, and the banks tend to be traded mainly by the big global funds for liquidity purposes for the currency exposure. So if the currency keeps falling, banks will see more selling. So I would say more than the fundamentals, which we already know that it's gonna be a slowing cycle, I think it's more the currency that I'm worried about. So in the short term, if we start to see much weaker currency, the banks will go much lower. Mm. Yeah, no, good point. Just about China. So those, um, you know, the trade numbers were pretty poor and there's a possibility. I mean, we're all, it's talk about waiting for Godot when it comes to a recession anywhere in the world. It's waiting for the Godot for the Chinese, you know, stimulus package because there's lots of positive sort of, you know, pointing in the right directions, but the numbers just keep going. And I heard, Nathan, that 
the officials are stopping news agencies talking about the big D word, deflation. So they're clearly worried. What, what scope is there for potentially the steel mills having to cut back on production? And uh, yeah, that would obviously not be good for our iron ore miners. Yeah, we've had news that they've started to curb steel production. There's uh, demand is not there. So they're trying to limit that. And if that um, limit actually expands out to all of China, then we'll see a, a decent demand reduction for iron ore and coal. And again, there's two, the two big players for us. So obviously that's negative. Um, I'm actually not that bearish on China, mind you. Um, in my 30-year career, I think from the day I started, everyone was telling me that China was going to blow up. <laughs> and it's it's still the story. And this bear market, there's one thing is almost you know guaranteed is every week there's a story about China stimulus, and it hasn't played out. Um, and I don't think they're in a rush. Um, I mean, we've got China in an environment where they're the one of the biggest manufacturers in the world, and global growth and industrial productions are falling. So there's not really a lot of demand. I mean, what are they going to do if they? You know, apart from building more houses, uh, what can they do? Uh, if they jam up manufacturing, there's no one to buy it. So in context, there is not a lot they can do. Um, I think they've been trying to get their domestic consumption moving, and I think they've been relatively successful. I mean, yes, they're not going to get the big growth rates that they used to get. I mean, who is? You know, you know, most people are looking at potential recession risk, and Europe looks like a mess. And potentially, there's more slowdown in the U.S. coming. So I don't think China's uh, you know, it's a massive risk, but I don't see them doing too much while the rest of the world is slowing down. So I think China holds on. It, I don't think it's going to blow up. I don't think it's going to suddenly jam up stimulus. I think they just manage through the cycle. I think once everyone goes through the clean out and then you're on a recovery path, I'd expect China to do more stimulus then and support the economy in the recovery phase. That makes sense to me. They're the only ones who don't have a massive debt problem. They're the only ones who don't have an inflation problem. I know deflation sounds like a bad word, but it's actually a normal part of a cycle. Prices go up, and then you have a bit of a deflation in a slowdown. Prices come back. It keeps it sustainable. Um, we just can't have inflation forever and growth forever. There is, it is the normal cycle. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, I think China is just going through that cycle like everyone else. They started to curve a lot longer, you know, a lot earlier on asset prices to reduce costs. So they're ahead of the game, and I think the rest of the world will follow. So I don't, I'm not in the camp that I'm worried about China, but I'm also not in the camp that I expect them to do too much too quickly. I think this is a cycle that we all have to go through. Um, and when we come out on the other side, I think things will have another cycle higher and just have to be patient. On the inflation point, uh, and last but not least, of course, we will have that US CPI data, which will likely be uh, the key macro risk for the week ahead. Um, I mean, conceivably could add some volatility into the market just because it does seem to be potentially, I guess, the market's fatal conceit that inflation is going to come down, it's going to stay down, and uh, well, the job is almost done by the Fed. Strong number, maybe ups the expectations. Again, a bit of heightened volatility in the bond market, perhaps spills over in, into equities. What's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, bond yields above four percent. It mm. doesn't seem to be, you know, it doesn't hold too long. And so, and given the level of debt that everyone has, um, you don't want it to hold too long. So, in that context, um, there is a cycle for bonds to come down. If the bond, sorry, bond yields to come down. If the bond yields come down, then equities tend to, uh, you know, see outflows. So, in that context, um, that could play out. 
their consensus view now is inflation is actually to start ticking up um, because you're cycling much lower, um, you know, historical oil and food prices compared to now. So those kind of things will start to push inflation higher. Um, they're potentially in the second half of this year, we're going to see slightly higher inflation may start to tick up through the second half of the year, and that'll put pressure on the central banks. But I don't think they're going to hike. Um, I think they've got one or two hikes at best. So they'll probably stay, watch, and hike slowly. Um, so in that context, I don't see too much of a movement. But I think the problem here is we've had probably 12, 13 months where energy and food prices had a basically a free fall down, and now that's turned around. So there were the easy gains for inflation falling. Now that's turning around, so the risk is we'll see high inflation. So I don't think it was ever going to suddenly, you know, run away. Um, so I think inflation was always going to hang around. Now the risk is um, if things persist and we haven't done anything other than add more debt, um, we will see slower economy because, you know, as with anything, debt is what drives growth, and we've just added debt to the nth degree, and now interest rates are 10, 15 year high. So. There is going to be a slowdown phase. There will be a deleveraging cycle that we all have to go through. And then it'll come out on the other side. It is just a normal part of the economic cycle. I think people get carried away thinking that you can solve everything over one weekend or something. But, you know, these things just normal economic cycle that just takes a bit of time to play out. Oh, just when I thought they'd cancelled the economic cycle, Nathan, you just <laughs> shattered all my soft landing, node landing scenarios. Anyway. Well, I'll give you something. The U.S. Fed in the last 70 years has never yeah. had a soft landing once inflation goes past 5%. So it could happen, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I, I must admit, I tend to be a bit a bit like you. That whole thing about Captain Sully and landing on the uh, Potomac <laughs> River or whatever. The Hudson what, River, wasn't it? The Hudson yeah, River. Hudson, yeah, yeah right. exactly. Like, that was a fluke. I don't think the Fed's going to manage it, nor do I think we will. But hey-ho, thank you so much oh, for joining us. I think we'll do better than most. Really? Oh. Yeah, I think we'll do better than most. Well... Oh, as, Despite being a bear, I'll tell you, I think Australia is in a much better position than I would like most other countries. So okay, well, I'm, that's, I'm okay then. Okay, well, that's good to know. We have you on record now. I shall remember. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Deep data analytics. Not a problem. Thanks. Okay, let's get to the leaders and laggards now, shall we? And uh, the leaders, James Hardy, right at the yep. top of the pops there, up 14%, so there's your winner. And I think Reese and REA and Domain also caught a little bit of the bug there because I don't think there's any new news that I'm aware no, of. No, I know Re no. Uh, REA reports at the end of the week. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think again. it's kind of, well, if they had good results, there could be resilience there. Yeah, true. And Life36, I don't know, maybe they sold a few more of those pet tiles. To you. <laughs> That's right. The, yeah. the weirdo running around Sydney putting pet tiles on stray dogs. Not no. all heroes wear capes. Some of them wear pet tiles. Um, let's go to the laggards now. And uh, Coronado, yeah. um, again, we've spoken about that quite a bit. Sona Mining as well, also been in the wars recently, down 10%. And Charter Hall Longwell Reed, didn't they have an announcement? Yeah, also um, I reported, um, I'm struggling to remember the details there, but I think the distributions are a little bit lower, lower than yeah. uh, the past. So um, a bit of disappointment They've got there. a lot of debt and they're very heavily impacted due to the structure right. of the rate. Yeah. Actually, a lot of lithium names in there today. Core Lithium down 4.1%, Silver Lake Resources, uh, which is gold. Yep. Um, down 
almost 4% actually extending what was that very significant sell-off yesterday, I think it was, for Silver Lake. What was that Lake? Get my Silver Lakes and Lakes mixed up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the small cap end of the market, leaders. Uh, oh, gold. Dating gold up yeah. 15%. Um, let's flick over the page. Nothing jumps out at me there, but uh, red, bubble. red bubble. Oh, yes. So I spoke about red bubble with Claude Walker today. Oh. And just interesting because they're obviously getting over that legal hurdle in terms of being sued. But nevertheless, uh, all that good news of the share price rallying um, post that announcement has kind of deflated today. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. so down 15.6%. Um, let's quickly go across what we've got on tonight. We've already covered most of it off. Um, not too much there in terms of hard hitting data or corporate results actually. AMC could be reasonably interesting. Just uh, I think that was uh, one that caught the enthusiasm perhaps of the- AMC, uh, not Amcor, yeah? No, yeah. Uh, okay. The one that uh, was kind of like second after GameStop. Yeah, yeah. There's a, lot sure. of, there's a lot of those companies that are going full telt bankrupt that are now in the Reddit crowd and everybody's trading them. There's a whole lot of well, them Well, yeah, I can't remember who it was the other day saying that the meme stocks have picked up a little bit again. Yeah, they so that's have, always it's, it's become a fantastic uh, measure of sentiment in the market, uh, if nothing else. Um, uh, Harker, Fed, Fed member Harker speaks tonight, trade balance United States. He's a hawk, isn't he? Uh, I can't remember, but I think, he is. I, I think they spoke last night and pointed to the facts. Well, the, 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 the news was that they used uh, plural when saying uh, hikes instead of hike, and everyone got a little bit excited <laughs> about that, um, about what that could mean. Um, but let's move on uh, to what we've got tomorrow, and that will be a very interesting day. Yes. We've got results from the CBA Suncorp as well. Yep. So they're going to have to tell us about what their plans are uh, now they're at this crossroads with yep. the um, ANZ acquisition of the banking arm. Uh, price data out of China as well. Will China technically be in deflation or not? Is that a big deal or not? Exactly. Nothing says maybe no. not, but yep. um, others would uh, perhaps say that uh, it could be a big deal. We'll have to see. Um, but also New Zealand inflation expectations as well. So another big day in the world of global markets coming up. And it'll be another day, big day on Ausbiz. It was a big day today. And if you want to catch up on everything, it is on your website and app. Uh, Danny, let's just get a final check of the market. Oh, make absolutely. Sure oh, here I am, give... closing up the computer, all ready to uh, half, uh, say Halfway goodbye. out the door already. Uh, we'll see what the ASX 200 is done. We'll see if we can get a view on the CBO 200 as well. Um, so the ASX 200, look, it's it's flat as a tack. I mean, uh, literally, one point, it was up 1.9 points on the ASX 200. Right. And uh, the SIBO 200, well, again, of 0.65 of a point. I mean, that barely registers, does it? All right. We'll put it in the books as a dead rubber. But as I said, there was some great content, so you can catch up on, on your website and app. Otherwise, have a great night, and we will see you tomorrow morning.